There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, thank you once again for tuning into the podcast today. This is a new week on the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is probably going to be the last week of the book of Job. I do want to thank the Lord for giving us uh, some insight, some looks into the book of Job. It's been a great blessing for me to have the privilege to preach this book. I'm going to begin a new podcast in a couple of weeks. I'll be taking a couple of weeks off with some guest preachers and doing that because the time of family camp, it's almost impossible to record at family camp and put out any kind of a decent product. And so we're going to take a little bit of time off. Recently got a new microphone that somebody gave us, had to get a converter and trying to figure out the software, some things like that. So we'll take about two weeks off the podcast and then reacquaint ourselves with a new topic on the podcast. So pray about that. Pray God would give us direction and understanding. Meanwhile, we're going to be in Job chapter 40 today. I was looking at something recently, and it was an old packet from the 1940s, it appeared. It might have even been late 30s, but it's called the Anti-Satan Kit. And it was a uh, plan. It was a, something you would have bought. You would have paid for it with your money. And you would buy this kit, and then when Satan tempted you, you pull out your card, and you go through the anti-Satan kit, and you'd resist the devil, and you'd read some verses, and you'd kind of cast him in his teeth, and it was just a plan of how to deal with Satan, and I had to laugh. I'm like, boy, it hasn't changed in 80 years. The same old thing, same old process. We got to go through a process to figure out God, got to go through a process to get through temptation, got to go through a process uh, to get saved, got to go through a process to... Uh, program, you know, all of these things. And I thought, boy, that's just the way religion has done people all these years. Get on a program, get them in a place where they can do a step-by-step. The carnal man can understand that. But where's faith? Where is faith today? When the Son of Man comes, will we find faith on the earth? And the reality is that he will not find faith on the earth. Uh, we had preached uh, just recently in the book of Habakkuk in chapter 1, and one of the great truths, and of course this prophecy is fulfilled, the Apostle Paul mentions it in, in over there in Acts 13, but he says in verse 5, Behold ye among the heathen of regard, and wonder marvelously. There's a colon there, it's a new statement. For I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, though it be told you. The Apostle Paul told them in Acts 13, this is the work that's done. These are their days on earth. God did this wonderful work of the cross, the work of Calvary, the work of the resurrection, and yet men did not believe us no different today. Men intellectually trying to figure it out, men trying to put everything in its right place and skipping obvious things and skipping over obvious verses and obvious doctrine, trying to put it in their mold, trying to put the cross in their mold. I marveled at one of the statements I made when I was preaching that message. When you see over there in Isaiah chapter 50, we know they ripped the hair from off of his face. Word of God told us they did that. And we understand that, but you don't, you don't see that in the Gospels. You don't see that anywhere. When he gave his back to the smiters, his cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. 
We don't see that anywhere written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. In fact, Isaiah is the place where you see it written, but it's by faith that we believe that. We believe they took him by the beard and ripped that hair from off of his cheeks and grabbed a hold of his face and ripped at him because the scripture told us that they would. And if you can't believe the scripture, you can't believe the New Testament. You can't believe this authority of the old. You're not going to understand the new. And so Job is is being reproved by the Lord here. And in this passage, he says, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? And that's where most people are today. And I can say that with authority. Most people are contending with the Almighty. Contendeth is that ongoing tense. They have contended. They're still contending. They're going to continue to contend. They're going to correct the scriptures. They're going to try to twist it to, to fit them. They're going to try to twist it into their mold, into their comfort zone. They're going to try to twist this matter of peace, this matter of assurance, make it say what they want it to say. They're going to contend with the Almighty. The Holy Ghost brings them under condemnation time and time again, over and over again. But they're going to contend with God. They're going to wrestle with God. They're going to tell God, no, that's not what it is. That's not what takes place. And my friend, I can speak on authority with this. And the reason I can say with authority is because when I was uh, was wrestling, when I was under condemnation and wrestling with the Lord, that's the one thing I kept trying to do is trying to convince God that I was okay. I was contending with the Almighty. I've done everything I can do. And you hear people say that. I've cleaned up everything I can clean up. Hey, Lord, I'm a good person. Lord, I love, love little babies, love patting them on the head. But yet I was without faith, without hope, without God. And yet, when I finally submitted myself to Jesus Christ and to the power of the gospel, I realized how wretched I really was. And how can you contend with the Almighty and be saved? It's impossible to be. There's just no way a contentious person is going to be saved with God. There are people that are willfully contentious. There are people that are accidentally, accidentally, either word. They're contentious, and they don't mean to be necessarily, or there's the occasional. That's those that occasionally are contentious, and as they submit, depends on the area. Sometimes they're just as submissive and wonderful and meek and sweet and kind. Other times they're just about as aggressive as a polar bear because they've never submitted themselves to the authority of Jesus Christ, never submitted themselves to the authority of the Word of God, never come under the power of the condemnation of the Holy Ghost to redeem them, to change them, where if they would just come to repentance in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, God would transform them into a child of his. He would take them and put the spirit of adoption within them. He would take them past them from death unto life. He'd birth them again by the word of God. In just a moment, it could take place. But what's happening? They're contending with the Almighty. They're going to instruct God. They're going to tell God what's wrong and what's right. He says, he that reproveth God, let him answer it. If you want to reprove God, go ahead and answer these things. God's trying to contend with you over the scriptures. Go ahead and go ahead and answer God. Go ahead and reprove God. Tell him that's not what the Bible says. Tell him that's not what that word means. Tell him that's not what that's really said. Go ahead and contend with God over those things. Yet he said this in verse two, in verse three, rather. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. And can I say that's where a man needs to be when he's contending with God? The best thing that ever happened to anybody listening to this podcast is you finally get to that place, you realize you're vile. God is holy and you're vile. And you've been contending with the Almighty, contending with a holy God, the God that made everything. We saw that in the last couple of, of, of passages, last couple of chapters. He speaks of the eagles. He uses nature to explain this and then tells Job, you're going to contend with me. All these things I've seen, all these things I've done, you're going to contend with me. And then that's when Job says, I am vile. But then Job goes on and says this, what shall I answer thee? Can you answer God in these things? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. What a wonderful thing that Job has done. 
Finally, Job has laid his hand upon his mouth. And now I would preach this as a dogmatic thing, but then there's people wrestling with sin. They would physically go lay their hands upon their mouth and call that salvation. But that's not what he's speaking about. What he's speaking of is that every mouth may be stopped. That's what the word of God says, that every mouth may be stopped. And then what needs to take place after that? The whole world needs to become guilty before God. And so we see that according to the scriptures. That's in Romans 3.19, I believe. But as you become guilty before God, you shut your mouth, put your hand upon your mouth, speak no more, quit trying to contend with the Almighty. Let God contend with you, but you don't contend with him. Let God show you what you are. And it's the problem is we're just too proud. Boy, people are so comfortable today. People are just at ease today. They want everything their way, everything easy street, everything the way they want it to be. They want everything to conform to them. They want the world to revolve around them. They tell me they're seeking God. They're looking for God. They want God to work in their life, but they cannot deal with anything outside their little sphere, anything outside their little realm. They contend with anything that isn't just perfectly dotted and crossed. They can't deal with people that aren't perfectly dotted and crossed, yet they themselves are filthy before God. They're wretched before for God. Why can't they see that? Because they won't shut up. I preached many years ago over there in Proverbs 10, verse 8 and 10, when he said, a prating fool shall fall. And I preached simple, a very simple message from the old commercial from many, many years ago, help, I've fallen because I can't shut up. And why are people falling? They can't shut up, can't keep their mouth shut, they're contending with God. The very words they speak are not the words of God, they're words of contention. They're words against God. You realize that most of the clergy in America, they speaks against God. When they say the Bible should say, or this is really what the Bible says, or this is really what that means, or this, and they philosophies and logic and correcting and Greekologies and all of these things, they're contending with God. What they need to do is put their hand upon their mouth and speak no more that God could speak. A man made a statement to me recently concerning prayer. They talk about praying about a matter, and I go back to the old man of God many years ago that I've looked to for much of my life, and a preacher just recently re refreshed me in this story. I heard him tell the same story, but he said, you don't have to pray about something God already said. You don't have to pray about doing right. You just do right. You don't have to pray about trying to get victory over sin. You just quit sinning. You don't have to pray about quitting smoking. Just quit. You don't have to pray about not sinning. Just don't sin. There's things that you don't have to pray. When God said it, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to wrestle these things through. You don't have to wrestle through salvation. Jacob, why did Jacob wrestle? And I know that's always a picture. I was there. I lived there. I wrestled there. Why? I wouldn't believe God. I wouldn't keep my mouth shut. And Job said, I'm vile. Lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. I tried to respond to God in these things. I tried to reprove God in these things. But I know one thing. I'm just going to keep my hand upon my mouth. I'm not going to speak anymore. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. It's a wise thing. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind and said, and I love what my friend Brother Ron Shank many years ago taught us. I'll say it again here. Gird up thy loins now like a man. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. So what does it mean there? Put a belt on. Hit your pants up, tighten up your grip, get some, get some strength under you, cut up your loins like a man, answer these things of me. And again, he says this to Job, wilt thou also disannul my judgment? And of course, that word disannul, there's that old Germanic double negative, as they say, to say, oh, it's just obsolete, you don't need those words. But realize disannul is stronger than annulment. That's something I researched a long time ago. 
And annulment is to do away with. It's a legally binding document. It's to do away with. It's to annul. It's to say, okay, this is no longer valid. I annul my marriage. It's no longer valid. Uh, my wife was in fornication before I was married. I was deceived in this. I'm annulling this. To disannul is to take not only to just annul, but it's to disannul. What do you mean? It's complete to eradicate, completely gone, completely is taken away. To disannul a marriage means it never existed. That's the strength of that double negative. That's the strength of disannul. That's the strength of that Germanic tongue. Those Germanic words. He said, Will thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? Job is going to completely do away with my judgment that you can prove yourself right. You can completely do away with my judgment. You can, and by the way, the judgments of God are not always hellfire and brimstone. Many of his judgments are on this earth. For his children, his judgments are on this earth. Many of the diseases and sicknesses we see in this earth, judgments of God. I didn't say all, but I said many of those things. It's interesting you find about people and their sicknesses and their diseases and all their troubles in this world. And rarely do they ever uh, say it's a fault of theirs. It's because of sin. And it's never because of, but occasionally you'll meet somebody, they'll acknowledge that. And then they go cling to the doctors. And God's trying to judge them, but they go cling to the doctors. And God's trying to show them something, they go cling to the doctors. God is showing them they have a need spiritually. They've taken that cup unworthily, but they go cling to the doctors. They go lay down at the doctor's skirt, touch the hem of his garment. And yet what they need is they need healing in Jesus Christ. They need to come and acknowledge. But most people aren't in that place. They're not willing to do that. They won't sit there and look at themselves and examine themselves. Say, is this the judgment of God? Is this God dealing with me? Is this God showing me? I laid there on the table. My own personal example during 9-11, I was in the operating room and the outpatient never went under, just outpatient surgery. And I laid there as they talked about the, the towers going down. I left there, went to the pharmacy to get some pain meds, put in my prescription, bought a disposable camera, drove up to Camp David because they said the plane had crashed into Camp David. Found out that wasn't true when I got there. Went back to the pharmacy, picked up my prescription, went home, and I laid there on that couch and I watched those towers fall over and over and over and over and over. For two weeks, I watched those towers fall. Such a state of despondency, state of depression. A man came to visit me. Helped snap me out of that that depression I was in. I was low. I couldn't go to church. I couldn't sit down. Couldn't ride in my car. I mean, I had to basically lay on my stomach or my side for two weeks. I had a great misery upon me. And I was laying on my couch after that, that man left. And the Lord simply spoke to me. I've been saved about four years at this point. And the Lord just simply said, are you done? And I realized then I come under the chastening hand of God. And I was a novice. Listen, I wasn't a church that preached about chasing. I wasn't a church that preached about the hand of God. I was just a novice in these things. And yet I looked at that affliction in my flesh and realized God had put me on my back in his timing and in his way and exactly how he does it. It was the hand of God. I learned a lesson from that. I got out of the hog pen I was headed to. I turned back fully to him. There's been times in my life I've seen affliction in my flesh, and I realized this very well may be the hand of God. There's times I've seen affliction in my flesh, and God immediately told me it was his hand. This is him. Am I going to disannul that because I disagree with God? Am I going to just cast that aside because I disagree with God? God will hurt you to help you. God will wound you to help you if you belong to him. He said, without condemn me that thou mayest be righteous, God forbid. Hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? No, you can't. Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. He's preaching this to Job. Cast abroad the rage of thy wrath, and behold everyone that is proud and abase him. Look on everyone that is proud and bring him low, 
and tread down their wicked in their place. Job, can you do these things? Yet God does that. That God's the one that hides pride from man. Man never be saved if God didn't hide pride from him. God casts down the mighty and lifts up the low. God takes princes and casts them down. He lifts up beggars from the dung heap. Why, it's the mercy of God. That's the goodness of God. It's a work. Job, can you do that? Can I say to us that are listening, do we have the ability to bring sinners out of the dung heap? No, we do not. But Almighty God in heaven does. He says, hide them in the dust together and bind their faces in secret. Then will I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. If you can do these things, Job, according to the book of Ezekiel also, if you can do these things, Job, then you can deliver yourself. But you know what the problem is, Job? You can't do these things. You don't have it in you, Job. You don't have the ability, Job. You don't have the strength to do these things, Job. And yet God also can speak to us in that same manner. If you can do these things, you lift up yourself with your own right hand. If you can accomplish these things, who tells what you can do with God? But until you do them, you might want to submit yourself to the righteousness of God. You might want to submit yourself to the holiness of God. You might want to submit yourself to the judgments of God. God has spoken, and Job laid his hand upon his mouth. He had no answer for God. He had no word. That's the way a lot of folks just need to be. They need to quit having an answer for God. They need to just say, woe am I, for I'm a man of unclean lips. They need to respond to God with their own righteousness and respond to God with their own words and just understand that if you have breath in your lungs, it's the mercy of God. If you have the ability to seek God, it's just his tender mercies, his kindness to you. I pray you take this as an exhortation of righteousness in the book of Job. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home and the saints all with gladness are singing.